So we've all been there, right? Something happens in your life and you cannot help but to, to tell other people. Maybe it's, it's a new job that you've gotten or it's, or it's the promotion that you've been passed over and passed over and this time you've gotten it. Or maybe perhaps it's, it's an engagement. You're newly engaged. I remember when Rachel and I were newly engaged, we couldn't help but to tell everybody. And the first person we told was Rachel's mom, her I knew soon-to-be mother-in-law, and she was really gracious and kind and listened to us recant the story again, and she re responds, Oh, I hope you told him you'd think about it. <laughs> so maybe it's not just engagement, but it, it could be pregnancy as well. We had struggled for nearly a year to get pregnant, and when we found out we were pregnant with our firstborn Judah, we were confronted with this truth. And at first we didn't believe it, but in, in due time we came to believe it. And then we were compelled to tell everybody. So you'd be at work and I'd say, it sure is cold out. Yes, it is cold. Did you hear? My wife's pregnant? Really? Yeah. Hey, we're going to need you to stay late today. Well, that's fine. I'm going to have to ask my pregnant wife. Did I, I mention that she's pregnant, right? Yes, 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 you, you keep telling us about that. So it is with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It both confronts you, and you must decide what you're going to do with it when you're confronted with this truth. But then for us who are Christians, it also compels us to action and to tell other people about this wonderful resurrection. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and turn to the text we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, we're going to be doing verses 1 all the way down to 12. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went inside, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that our faith is not in vain. That your Son has been raised from the dead. And in Him we too have conquered death. If only we believe, God. I pray that you would open our hearts to see this. Perhaps a story we've heard a thousand times before, God. I pray that we would see it as though we were hearing it for the first time, God. Would we 
be marveled and be amazed at what you have done through your Son. Amen. A brief outline of where we're going to be going. The main idea, the main point that we're going to be making is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ both confronts you and it compels you. It confronts you with the truth and it, it confronts you in a way that nothing else ever will. And it compels you to decide, is this an idle tale or is this something to marvel in? And then it also compels you to action as well. So main idea, the resurrection of Jesus Christ both confronts you with the truth and it compels you to decide and compels you to action. So the first point here, let's go back to the text. We're going to be reading verses 1 through, one through 7 here to see how the resurrection confronts us. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. When they had found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went inside, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. Sometimes stories, they just seem to go from, from bad to worse. This, this week had, be, had begun, Adam was preaching last week on the triumphal entry, and Christ has come into this city of Jerusalem. And within a matter of, of a week, we have gone from the triumphal entry to the people, the masses, the government, and the religious leaders conspiring to kill our Lord. And when we look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's imperative that we don't separate it from this, this previous weeks of events. And so how do we get there? We see Jesus Christ, as I just mentioned, on Palm Sunday, riding into Jerusalem. He's riding on a colt that's never been written, ridden. And as he's coming in, the crowds, the masses of the people are crying out, Blessed is the King that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And they're waving their palm branches and throwing their cloaks on the ground. And Jesus, as he's riding in, he's weeping. Because he knows the destruction that is going to come to Jerusalem within a generation for their rejection of him as the king and as the Messiah. And as he, he enters Jerusalem, the first thing he does is go to the temple and he confronts the religious leaders who are Instead of serving the people of God, they're, they're enriching themselves from the people of God. And then on Thursday, they celebrate the Passover as they had done their whole lives. But it's there, as they're breaking the bread that Jesus Christ explains to them that well, this, this bread is not just bread, but this bread is actually, it's pointing to me, the, the body of Christ, my body being broken for you in the blood it pointed the blood of the Lamb in the Passover, yes, but that all points to me, my blood being shed on the cross. And then things go bad. They leave that meal, the Passover, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is frightfully aware of what is going to be happening 
over the next day. And he's praying and blood is coming out as a sweat and he's anguishing over what is about to happen upon the cross. And one of his disciples, he betrays him, Judas, and the rest of them, well, they abandon him. And then he's, he's brought into town, he's run through on this shoddy trial where the Romans actually find him innocent, but the Jewish leaders, they, they demand that he be found guilty, and they rise up the crowd again, the same crowd that was crying out, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now they're crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And this Jesus, the one in whom all of these people have placed their hope, was crucified. he was dead. And it was right there that all of their hopes had died. For the Roman soldiers, it was just another death of another, of another criminal. They lower the cross, they pull out these cruel nails, and they untie the ropes, and they give his body to Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Not to the disciples. They're still gone. And they, they wrap him up hastily and bring him to the tomb and, and place him in there as the sun is beginning to set on the Sabbath day. And so they wait a day. But here you see Mary and these other women as soon as they can. At early dawn, they're not hesitating. Though they're broken and their hope is gone, as soon as they can, what are they doing? They're going up to the tomb. After all, his body's supposed to be there, isn't it? He was dead, and you placed him in the tomb. Where else is the body going to be? And then things, they just keep getting worse. Not only is he dead, but now his body's missing. And they're confronted with this missing body and the resurrected Lord. And they find an empty tomb. And as you can imagine, these ladies are, are utterly perplexed. The body was gone. That's weird enough. Okay, but now you have two angelic beings there. And they're radiating the, the glory of God from being the presence of God. And, and there's so much to, that they were compelled to bow their faces down to the ground. And the whole world is turned upside down with this one question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. And of course, for us, 2,000 years later, it's really easy to look back and say, well, yeah, of course, right? He, he told them that all of this was going to happen. But at that time, no one anticipated the crucifixion, and certainly no one anticipated the resurrection. So let's go back. And you see in Luke 9, if you want to turn back there, you can. You see in Luke 9 that... Um, this, this reference where Jesus Christ is telling them about this, this anticipation that he was going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. You see that Jesus Christ in Luke 9, he's just fed the 5,000. The masses have come to him because he's healing them. So they come for healing and he, he heals them and he feeds them. And once they're satisfied, they, they disperse. And Jesus begins to ask the disciples who do the people say that I am? And the disciples respond, well, either John the Baptist or Elijah or perhaps one of the prophets. And then he presses into Peter a little bit more and he says, but who do you, 
Who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, the Christ of God. But Jesus clarifies what this means. Because when Peter, again, is saying the Christ of God, he has his own idea. So Christ must clarify what that means. What does it mean to be the Christ of God? Well, you see in verse 21 of Luke 9, he says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes, be killed, and on the third day be raised. And these reminders, again, my friends, these reminders are necessary because nobody anticipated a coming. No one saw this Messiah who would die, and certainly no one saw a Messiah who would be raised from the dead. We haven't seen it since. And they hadn't seen it up till that point. No one anticipated it. And here is the point at which everything focuses. All of history, all of humanity, and all of you hinge on this one thing. And you're confronted with the empty tomb. As a Christian, and even if you're not a Christian, you are confronted with this empty tomb. And you must know what to do with it. So as a Christian, a good question is, why do I care, really? Why is, it, why is it necessary? And here we see that several things, three things. One, without the, without the resurrection, there's no fe- defeat of death. Jesus Christ could just die, but that doesn't defeat death. You see in 1 Peter 1, 3, Peter writes that God has caused us to be born again into a living hope. How? through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So without the resurrection, there's no defeat of death. Secondly, you can see that the resurrection guarantees our justification, or that we'll be declared not guilty before God. Paul writes that Jesus Christ put to death our trespasses and and was raised for our justification. So we're declared not guilty based upon the resurrection of of Jesus Christ. And finally, Christ's resurrection guarantees, guarantees that you too will be raised from the dead if you are in Christ. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. So here is Jesus Christ and all that He has done All that he has accomplished up until this point is entirely lacking without the resurrection. Jesus Christ dying on the cross, big deal. Big deal. So you have not just the Lamb, but you have the, the Savior, the people, and He's not just the one who has died, but now He is the giver of life. And that's much more compelling than a dead criminal hung on a cross. And so it is with you if you're not in Christ. The empty tomb is the center of everything. So without the empty tomb, all of your dreams and all of your desires, well, they don't, they don't matter. Everything that you love is of no value. And if the tomb is not empty, your life is pointless. So the risen Savior, the the King who's defeated the final enemy of death, He confronts you. 
And you can turn this way or that, and you can walk in your life of rebellion, you can continue in some other religion, but you cannot deny that this has happened. You know it to be true, and it is confronting you. And you must decide what you will do. So here you are, and sure, you'll never see the empty tomb. But here, in the Word of God, it is though you are there with Mary and the other ladies, seeing it with your own eyes, through the Word of God. And sure, you can go through all the motions and act as though this really doesn't matter, but you are confronted as though you were with Mary and seeing it with your own eyes. The empty tomb, my friends, it has given you life and it demands it of you. So we see the main idea before we move on here again is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ both confronts you and it compels you. You've seen how it confronts you, that it gives you life and it demands it of you. And you must decide, is this true or is this not? But now we're going to see how it compels you, how it compels you to decide and it compels you also to action. Let's go back to the text and finish out these verses, verses 8 through 12, verses 8 through 12. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with him who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe it. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linens by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. See, you see two reactions here to the empty tomb and to the resurrection. The, the women, they, they come back to the apostles and you see this two reactions. One, that's either an idle tale. Or two, you see Peter, he rose and he ran to the tomb and he, he stoops down and he looks in and he goes home marveling at what he has seen. So the resurrection it compels you to decide. Either this is going to be an idle tale for you, and maybe it's just another religious story that some fanatics have made up. Or maybe it's something that Christians use just to feel better about themselves, or a crutch to make it through their hard lives. Or, my friends, the resurrection is something that you marvel in. Either it's an idle tale, or it's something that you marvel in. And it's confronting you, and you must, you must decide no matter what it costs you. If it costs you family, or if it costs you home, or it costs you your pride, you must decide. But you also notice what the, the resurrection has done for the disciples. It's compelled them to action as well. Here, take, take a look at the life of Peter. So he's, he's a fisherman at the Sea of Galilee. And he's casting his nets into the sea. And he hears the voice of a local rabbi behind him. Follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And for three years, he, he does that. He follows Jesus in the cities and through the countryside and along the villages. And then his moment comes, and he's like you and I. And he drops the ball. You see him there in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. When, when Christ needed him, he wasn't there. Christ didn't need him to gather 
the food in the baskets after feeding the 4,000 or 5,000. Christ didn't need that. He needed them there in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he was abandoned. And then he follows as they've captured Jesus, and they're bringing him to, to the palace of Caiaphas, the high priest, and Peter follows at a distance. And then he's in the courtyard, and he's warming himself in the fire. A little slave girl comes up and says, aren't, aren't you with, with one of them? And, and Peter says, woman, I, I, I do not know what you're talking about. Then someone else chimes in and says, no, 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 you're... Your accent, it's its Galilean. You're not from down south here. You're not one of us Judeans. You're, you're from Galilee. And again, he denies it. And then finally, someone else presses in and he makes another profession. Remember his first profession. You are the, the Christ of God. Now he makes another profession. I do not know what you are talking about. This same Peter who has denied Christ just days earlier after spending three years with Jesus Christ, following him through village and village, seeing the miracle, seeing the feeding of the 5,000. He's told these things from Mary, and you see it here in verse, verse 12, and that he goes to the tomb, and he's confronted, and he knows, oh, but this is no longer an idle tale. This is something to marvel. And sure, this, this marveling and this, this compulsion, it, it doesn't end right there. So what do you think it was that, that brought them from, idle, from an idle tale to marveling and then into preaching? It's, it's the resurrection. And sure, if, if Jesus had just died and, and that was it, they could have gone on and they could have told their friends about this, this wonderful man and all of the love he had and what a terrible tale it was. And perhaps we should live lives like him and be a good man like him. But what do you think it was that the substance of their preaching, the drive of their missions and the resolve of their hearts that brought Peter from someone who denied Christ just days earlier, fast forward a generation, he too is crucified. Upside down because he thought of himself unworthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord. What is it that brings such a change in such a man? That brings them from denying Christ like we often do ourselves to being crucified and crucified upside down. It's the empty tomb. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so then you see him go from city to city and town to town and village to village and they know their preaching is in vain if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead. So, here are you. And you, too, are confronted with this empty tomb in the Word of God as though you were with Mary, seeing it with your own eyes. And you are compelled to proclaim this as well. So the question is not what kind of programs can we have as a church to, to bring forth evangelism. The question is not how can you bring it forward. This is our risen God. So that's not the question. The question is how can we possibly hold it back? If it's true, which it is, and if you believe, which I hope you do, 
pray, you are in Christ. The resurrection compels you to share the message. And you see how it shapes the lives of those who believe. And sure, there's still moms caring for their children. And sure, there's still husbands and fathers out working in the fields. And granted, there's a few of them. There's a few of them who are sent out to go from city to city. You look in Acts chapter 13 and they have the church in Antioch. How many? They send out two. The rest of the church stays there in town. Paul and Barnabas go out. The rest of the church stays there. And it's the, the faith that spreads like a consuming fire on the backs of ordinary men and ordinary women. No different than you. So men who are compelled then to share the gospel as they're out there working in the fields. Women who are compelled to share the gospel as they work in the kitchens of their masters. Mothers who are sharing lovingly this marveling story of their resurrected king with their children that are on their laps. So it is with you. For Perhaps you're, you're not going to be able to sell it all and go be a missionary like Paul and Barnabas. When, maybe you're going to be like one of the ones that stayed behind, the multitude that stayed behind in Antioch, not the few that left. Maybe you're not going to go to school for 18 years and be a seminary professor. But all of that, it doesn't matter. Because the message of the risen Savior in the empty tomb is still the same. So God is bringing people into your life, and maybe you're not going to be a prophet. Maybe you're not going to be an evangelist or a teacher. But that's fine because it's not about you. God is at work through His message. So you don't have to be all of these things of a prophet, an evangelist, of a teacher. All you have to be, my friends, is willing. Willing to share this wonderful news of the empty tomb, like you see the women doing, going back. They can't help but to tell the other, other apostles and disciples who are gathered there. So regardless of your, of your stature or your, your station in life, the resurrection, it confronts you. And you have to give an answer. You can't turn this way or that your whole life. You must give an answer. Either this is an idle tale or this is something to behold and to marvel. So the resurrection confronts you, my friends, but it also compels you. It compels you to lay aside everything and to follow Him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we have so much so much that you have given us, God. Could you give us eyes to see that we would not carry on in the hardness of our hearts, but that we would behold your empty tomb, God, and that we would marvel in you, that you have defeated death, the one that is lording fear over the multitudes. God, we no longer have to fear this death because of your work, of your Son, being raised from the dead, Father. And I pray that we too would have hearts that can believe this. God, give us hearts to believe this is true, Father. 
that we too will be resurrected in your Son. Amen.